So it, it does line up very nicely that our topic for today is along the lines of service and sacrifice. So as Neil just prayed, I would love to just take another minute and if you're able to stand or maybe just raise a hand if you are a veteran here today so that we could just thank you again. I want you to know how thankful we are because we don't take it for granted that we can gather like this, that the freedom we have to study God's word and to get to know him better together in a place like this, because Paul didn't have that, right? Like that's one of the things that we've seen in Philippians. Paul, first of all, he was the guy persecuting people so that they didn't have that freedom. Now that he's a Christ follower, he's spending time in jail. There's a reason that he says, my chains are in Christ. And so we don't take it for granted for all of those who have served for the freedoms that we have in this country to be able to gather and do stuff just like this. And so we are back in Philippians chapter 2 today. And if you remember, as we've gone through this series, we're seeing how the entire thing is built around something we've been calling the Christmas poem that we saw last week right in chapter 2. So it doesn't come till the second chapter, but everything else in the book is kind of built around it because of this example, this pattern for living that comes out of the very life of Jesus Christ, the way that he was willing to sacrifice and that he was willing to serve. And so one of the things that we've been doing as we go through that is Chad has given us the challenge to memorize kind of like one verse of instruction and then the Christmas hymn that goes with it. So we've been memorizing Philippians 2, 4 through 11. So I'd like to ask for a volunteer who can come up on the stage. Okay, I'm just kidding, but it was really cool at my men's group uh, this past Tuesday night that I asked, hey, could somebody read 4 through 11? And one of the guys goes, all right, I'll do it. Pushed the Bible away and got, got about 95% through it. A little bit of paraphrasing, but it made the rest of us realize we need to work a little bit harder. And so I'd encourage you, um, keep it up. And if you haven't started yet, we're sort of like not quite halfway through Philippians. And so it's not too late to pick this up. Um, if you can memorize like two sentences a week, you'll have it memorized by the end of this series. And so one of the things that might help you that we put in the program is we just printed out exactly those verses, what we're memorizing together. And I know several of you have told me how helpful it is just to have it in one place like that where you can stick it somewhere, see it. But I also wanted to give you a couple of my tips for memorizing scripture because if you haven't done it in a long time or you haven't done it ever, it can seem really hard. And the first 30 seconds is usually like the hardest, like just to focus your brain that much on something. But you'll notice if you take Chad's challenge to just spend like eight minutes working on this, you'll be amazed at the progress you make by the end of eight minutes, as well as what happens when you hide God's word in your heart, as Psalm 119 says, the way that God will bring that to mind to encourage you, to help you in a place where you're saying, I'm, I'm trying to have a more Christ-like attitude, and just in that moment, he brings something you've memorized back to mind. So one of the things that helps me is I try to only memorize, like, a verse or a sentence or even a phrase at a time. You know, repeat that till I feel like I've got it, then add the next little piece, repeat that till I feel like I've got it. Another thing that helps me is writing it out. There's actually something that happens in your brain when you write things down that helps it to lock in. And so looking at this, I thought you could even just take this sheet and copy out each verse underneath the one above to help you start to get that into your head. Uh, but one of the other best things that helps me is once I think I've got a verse down, like 
Then the next day I'll try to do it again. And it's like, I don't got it. <laughs> so here's what I found. If you, after you memorize it, and then now you're like, you're making coffee, you're eating breakfast, you're on with your day, whatever. Half an hour later, like set a timer even, 30 minutes later, try to do it again. You'll be a little bit surprised how hard it is, but as you dig into your brain to find it, you, you'll be able to pull most of it back, and that helps start locking it into long-term memory. So instead of just that cram for the quiz kind of thing, where it's like, I know it for the next five minutes, so I got to do it fast. And then if you'll do it again, right before you go to bed that night, and it will be hard, and you might have to double check a couple spots, but it helps it start locking into that long-term memory. Then if you do it the next morning when you wake up, you'll be surprised how much you can remember and it really locks it into that long-term memory. So those are some of the things that have just helped me as I've um, worked on memorizing scripture that maybe help you as we're kind of doing this all together throughout this series. So as we do that, then we're going to focus in on two verses from that hymn today because in verses 7 and 8, we're going to look at these specific pieces of service and sacrifice that Jesus has modeled for us. And so those verses say that he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So as we come into the Christmas season, that phrase that he took the form of a bondservant, that's what this is all about. When you see mangers and you see nativities, and we get so used to seeing them like as decoration, right? It doesn't come out till Christmas time. But this is a symbol that the God of the universe, through whom all things were created, at one point fit in one of these. Not just as a parlor trick, but because he was actually planning to be obedient to the will of God the Father to the point of death for you. To live that perfect life. To be a bondservant who would serve us. In fact, when he was at the Last Supper with his closest friends and he got down on his hands and knees to wash their feet, as this icon symbolizes, they were shocked. Why is the God of the universe washing my stanky, dirty feet? And Jesus says, what? why do you think I'm here? I'm here to serve. I'm here to love. I'm even here to die. And so in the next section of chapter 2, we're picking up with verse 19 today. Paul is going to introduce us to two of his friends who are living out exactly those two things. So it says, verse 19, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own. Does that sound like anybody you know? <laughs> For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus, but you know his proven character, that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. So this relationship between Paul and Timothy is, is one of the most ubiquitous in the New Testament. You see this all over the place. Because Timothy, if, if you go back to Acts 16, where the stuff in Philippi takes place, Paul met Timothy shortly before that. Timothy becomes a Christ follower and begins to travel with Paul from place to place sharing the gospel. So he's like a guy that Paul is training up to understand what it means to know Christ and to live for him. A couple of the letters in the New Testament are directly from Paul to Timothy. And so it becomes this really cool picture of a mentorship. So that now today, 
it's almost common to talk within the church of Paul's and Timothy's. And and what that kind of means is that you will find places in your spiritual journey where you are like a Paul, right? That you're somebody who has known Christ, you've been learning to follow him, and maybe there's a Timothy, you know, somebody who's a year behind you. Maybe they're where you were two years ago. Maybe they're asking questions you used to ask that you, as a Paul, can help that Timothy move along in their own understanding of Christ, their own understanding of his word. You know, other places, do you feel like a Timothy? You know, and there's a Paul that you're leaning into because they asked questions that you're asking now. They're helping you grow, helping you figure out how you can serve. And so that's the relationship that these two men have. And Timothy's name, this is a good name, Timothy's name, if your name is Tim, Timothy, it actually means one who honors God. Isn't that cool? Because he totally is that. Like, look at this. I think Paul overstates this a little bit. He says, I have no one who will sincerely care for your state. I mean, I do have Timothy, but... (laughs) But I think he's trying to make the point that we know how normal it is for everyone to seek their own. Like, and especially, remember, the, the, the uh, culture in Philippi is that everyone is trying to elevate themselves to that hero status. Look at me, look at my accomplishments, build me a monument, right? Well, here's a guy in Timothy who doesn't seek his own. He seeks the things which are of Christ Jesus. It's not even that he's seeking the things of Paul. It's that he's seeking the things of Christ. And it's not just mental for him. He doesn't just show up on Sunday and believe the things of Christ and then go do nothing with it. He's seeking it because they have seen it proven in his life. Like the Philippians even know because Timothy was there with Paul that this really is the kind of person he is who will serve in the gospel. Just like Jesus came in the form of a bondservant, Timothy is a man who's willing to serve for the things of Christ. And so Paul goes on to say that, verse 23, Therefore I hope to send him at once, as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. Now this is kind of interesting to me because Paul says, I'm sending you Timothy and hopefully I'm coming too. I I actually trust the Lord for that. But Paul actually never makes it back to Philippi. He does send Timothy But Paul never gets to go himself. And so what I just appreciate about that is that even Paul, who wrote big chunks of the New Testament, Paul who talks to the Holy Spirit, has visions of Jesus, still doesn't know everything. (laughs) He's still not in control of his own plan. There's still things that Paul just has to pray if it's the Lord will. I'm, I'm trusting the Lord that I'll get to come to you, but we'll see what the Lord wants to do. And so he sets up Timothy as our first example. Now, not just be like Paul, not, but, but look at how Timothy lives. That we seek the things of Christ and serve together in the gospel. That's the proven character of Timothy. Timothy is a guy who's willing to set his own stuff aside and say, what is in it for Jesus today? And I love how that becomes the example because of this relationship with Paul. Because there will probably be times in your life where God puts something on your heart and it is for you to do. You know, he wants you to follow through on that. There will be other times where God puts something on your heart and it may actually be that you're helping prepare somebody else to do that thing like Paul is with Timothy. So a few years ago, 
And I did this last service too. I realized I keep saying a few years and then I start doing the math in my head and realizing it's, it's more years than I think. Time keeps ticking. Uh, but this was just after all those tsunamis that happened in Japan. I was still living in Illinois and we put a team together that was going to essentially do a missions trip. We were paired up with a missionary in Japan to go out and just do manual labor. You know, ripping out houses, trying to clean stuff out as much as we could just as a way to serve that community. And so we got this whole team together and we, we were raising all this funding and all the organization and all the stuff that goes with it. And for me, I was really excited about this because uh, one of my best friends is half Japanese. Um, I grew up on Nintendo, to be honest. Speed Racer was one of my favorite shows, really important Japanese imports. And so I thought, hey, this is my chance. I'm going to get to go to Japan. That'll be awesome. Uh, and that trip fell through, like just completely fell through. And it was really discouraging for me because besides all of the, you know, Japanese media that I might enjoy, praying through that was one of the times in my life I felt the most clear that, like, God wanted a team in Japan. And so it was just really strange when that didn't happen and trying to remember things like Paul's experiencing here. I'm trusting the Lord will go to Japan. That didn't happen. Um, I still trust him. You know, what did I miss, you know? So one of the things that was... Um, just totally God-ordained that came out of that is there was a young couple, married couple named Joe and Felicia, who were intending to be a part of that first trip. And uh, Joe himself is 25% Japanese, so he also really had a heart for the Japanese people because there are over 127 million people in Japan and less than 1% are Christ followers. Like just an incredibly unreached people group. And so although that trip fell through, Joe and Felicia never lost the passion for Japan. And so over the next few years, Joe started really working on his conversational Japanese. And Felicia, who could teach English, began doing work on what would it take to teach English to students in Japan. A few years later, Joe and Felicia actually moved here to Cincinnati. Uh, Joe got a job at a company here. He was doing pretty well, kind of starting to move up in his career. Um, a few years after that, I moved to Cincinnati, and so it, was so it was really fun to kind of reconnect with Joe and find out that in the meantime, there was another guy at his work, at his company, who was a Christ follower, who had been mentoring him, you know, like a Paul and Timothy, on how to live his faith through his work. Hey, maybe you didn't go to get to go on the missions trip that you were hoping, but what does it look like to be Jesus at work? And so then I moved to Cincinnati, I show up at Horizon, I meet this guy, Mike, and as we're talking, I realize that Mike from Horizon is the guy who has been mentoring my friend Joe in Cincinnati for the last few years. Just incredible ways that God puts these things together. And so what happened was, it was actually through Joe's company that he started taking his vacation time each year and going to Japan with his wife to teach English and to connect with local churches and local pastors there to spread the gospel. It's gotten to the point that um, I just, just texted him the other day to make sure like, I can tell this whole story and I can uh, show you a picture I'll show you in just a second. And um, They've actually moved to Japan with that company. So now it is on the company's dime that Joe not only visits Japan but has moved to Japan where he's now connected to that local church as his church spreading the word about Jesus Christ. So I wanted to show you this picture. I, I, I think this is Tomogawa, but I would have to double check that. Um, but this is Joe on the far right over here, and uh, one of the churches that they've worked with, I think Felicia is taking the picture, but all of these kids and families who've been impacted by Jesus Christ, and I, I never made it personally, I don't know if I ever will, 
but it became clear to me, I, I didn't hear God wrong. <laughs> he just wasn't sending me. He was sending Joe and Felicia. And how cool to be able to celebrate, like Paul is, a Timothy. You know, are there people in your life that you're encouraging, hey, let's be bondservants like Jesus is. What would it look like to seek the things of Christ, to serve him together in the gospel, that maybe there's even a place that I can't go, but God is sending you. Such a beautiful picture of the way this comes together. But that's not the only friend that Paul wants to introduce us to, because in verse 25, after Timothy, he also introduces us to a man named Epaphroditus. It says, yet I considered it necessary to send you to you, Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need, since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick, for indeed he was sick, almost unto death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I sent him the more eagerly, that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and I may be less sorrowful. So he lays out this guy, Epaphroditus. And I love this description, brother, fellow worker, soldier. What an awesome way to be described by the Apostle Paul. But you notice this, what is the thing that Epaphroditus is concerned about? Okay, so we don't know exactly what it is, but he's sick almost to the point of death. And his primary concern is, verse 26, that the Philippians will worry about him. <laughs> I'm thinking like, would that be me? <laughs> like, this probably fits with 2-4. Look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. So I'm sure Epaphroditus wants to get well. But in that moment, he's learned to be so unselfish, so others-centered, that the primary concern Paul lists is that Epaphroditus is concerned about their concern. Do you see that? And there's another thing here that we're not going to spend time on right now, but I'm going to point it out to you uh, because I'm going to touch on it in the Pathway video this afternoon. So if you don't know this, along with the printed Pathway in the program, every Sunday afternoon, Chad or myself are putting out just a short, like, two to three minute video that complements the passage that we looked at that this morning. And so I'm just going to mention this to you, and we'll go deeper into it. But notice, Paul uses the word sorrow or sorrowful three times on what you see on the screen right now. And ask anybody, Philippians is the book of joy in all circumstances and content and have joy. And yet he's talking about his sorrow. And then if it wasn't for him getting better, it would have been sorrow upon sorrow so that I wouldn't be so sorrowful. So I think there's something really interesting to dig into here about the reality of sorrow and depression that we can face and how we deal with it even in the midst of joy, even in the midst of serving Christ. So check out the Pathway video this afternoon for more about that. But right now we want to get to know Epaphroditus a little better. Because this guy Epaphroditus, his name is actually very common in the Roman world. So a lot of little kids at the grade school, when you come to kindergarten and you meet all these new kids, a lot of them are named Epaphroditus. So this is actually one archaeological find they have. This is not the Epaphroditus that we're talking about in the Bible, but you can see the name on that second line in the Latin lettering, Epaphroditus. This one in particular, the, the fourth line there, you can see where it says nomenclator. That means this Epaphroditus was responsible for, in a political setting or a business setting, remembering the names of all the people who show up so that we can do business together. So I think of this, that's kind of like your... Uh, Bible version of John Kirby, you know, somebody who just needs to know everybody's name. 
Um, but the Epaphroditus that we're meeting has this same common name. And if you remember, Timothy meant one who is honored by God or one who honors God. Epaphroditus means one who is dear to Aphrodite. That is not as exciting, is it? <laughs> Especially for a guy who's growing up in that culture, right? That in Philippi, where they worship the, the Greek and the Roman gods, you know, something like that would be normal. Why, yes, I, I've been dedicated to Aphrodite, the goddess of love. Only when you think about Aphrodite, love is not what the Bible means about love. It really is only the erotic. And so Aphrodite is not interested in honoring marriage between one man and one woman. Aphrodite is sleep with whoever you want. Hey, whatever. That's love, right? It's part of why in last week's passage we saw how Paul describes that this is like a corrupt culture. And Epaphroditus is deep in that. Like he's been living that his whole life before hearing about Christ. In fact, because of this approach to love that Aphrodite gives that culture, it also means there are a lot of people having babies that didn't actually want babies. They were just doing that Aphrodite thing. And so in the Roman culture, believe it or not, if a man did not want the baby, they could just take the baby outside the city and leave it to die. Like that was legal. So we forget sometimes, because I know that even as I say that, it has some kind of scary parallels to our own culture. But here you've got this guy, Epaphroditus, that his own name has him marked by that culture. And yet he says, I'm leaving that behind. That may be my name, but that's not who I am. I'm a Christ follower. I seek the things of Christ. I'm chasing after the things to take hold of the things for which Jesus took hold of me. And it is people like Epaphroditus who begin to flip the Roman world on its head. In fact, today, Chad's starting a new exploring series asking the question, what if Jesus was never born? Because there are a lot of things, like the way we think about marriage, the way we care for those less fortunate, the way we care about the child and even the unborn child, that we sometimes take for granted. Well, that's just Western civilization. I mean, we're civilized people. Of course we... It was unknown until Jesus came and the followers of Christ started turning the world on its head. So you might want to check out that series. That could be a good one to, uh, to share with a friend uh, or to invite a friend to. Just considering, yeah, is Jesus a big deal? Like what if he was never born? How many things would be different because you didn't have people like Epaphroditus following his lead and trying to live out his pattern? And so it says in verse 29, to receive him. When you meet a guy like Epaphroditus, receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness and hold such men in esteem. Because for the work of Christ, he came close to death, not regarding his life, to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. And so you see this picture of Epaphroditus, like where everybody else is trying to elevate themselves as a hero, it's the guy who actually humbled himself that he almost died for the sake of Christ, that it says, that's who you want to esteem, right? Like, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. It's exactly what we see in that Christmas poem. Remember in verse 8, it says that Jesus was obedient to the point of death. And although we don't know the exact details of Epaphroditus' life, he's living that same truth, to be obedient to the point of death. And so Epaphroditus is our second example to regard the work of Christ higher than personal preference and even well-being. 
Now, I thought about making this slide say, if you're going to work yourself to death, you might as well do it for Jesus. But that felt like a little strong because <laughs> uh, my, my grandpa used to have this limerick that he would say because he was um, a superintendent in the Evangelical Free Church denomination. And so he had this thing that was, uh, Mary had a little lamb. It could have been a sheep, but it joined the Evangelical Free Church and died for lack of sleep. <laughs> and I don't want to be at a horizon where we could substitute horizon into that thing because one of the temptations here is to say, how many things have you signed up for this month? Ten? You know, it could be 11 if you really love Jesus, right? That's the guilt trip. That's the shame thing. That's the, like the, well, I was kind of a jerk this week. Maybe I ought to sign up and volunteer over here, and then, I, then maybe God will be happy with me again. Like, that's not it, right? Like, when you see this example of Christ, what you're seeing is that it's the love of God for you, the love of God for Epaphroditus, how he's changed him that's flowing through him as he wants to serve. And so when he's willing to serve to the point of death, you realize... Paul's comparing this to Christ, but it's actually different, right? Jesus actually died because he was obedient, and that still happens. I mean, there have been martyrs all through history, and there are still martyrs around the world today actually dying because they're obedient to Christ. But with Epaphroditus, I think, like it probably is for most of us, another way to think about that is, am I willing to be obedient to the point of death, whenever that may be? I may not die for my obedience, but if I'm not dead yet, am I willing to keep obeying until someday God calls me home? Do I have a life that's characterized by seeking the things of Christ and serving even until death? That's the model. That's the example that Epaphroditus lays out for us. I saw a really fun example of that a couple weeks ago, maybe, maybe a week ago, um, because there was a family in our church uh, where a woman just lost her husband after a long battle with sickness and a long time in the hospital. And our men's group, uh, many of whom did not even know this guy, had been praying for him just for months. And so when he passed away, we were trying to think, you know, how could we help? What is something that we could do? And so one of the guys in the group, uh, along with a couple other people, has just been meeting with the family, trying to figure out what would help. And one of the things was just some landscaping, like stuff that the husband would have normally done that, that wasn't getting done. Well, okay, how could we help with that? And so he galvanized this whole crew of people. And I love this because, like, this is the mind of Christ kind of thing. They, they don't even all know him. They don't even all know the family. Um, but a bunch of people show up at this house, and guys are bringing their wives, and guys are bringing their kids, and everybody's like, you're giving up a Saturday. And we moved I got this wrong last service. I received a, a correction between services. It was not five tons. We moved nine tons of rock that day to landscape their property. You know, shoveling and carrying buckets and breaking buckets and rolling wheelbarrows and getting scraps and scrapes. And I know there were sore backs the next morning, but you walk out of there and everybody's smiling. And I'm driving home with my daughter who, who came and helped us. I figure if she can swing a pickaxe on the happy church trip, she can, she can move some rock. And she was all in. I was like, man, we're just happy. Like, it just feels good. But it's not just that, like, well, I was a bad person yesterday. I should be a good person today. And there I feel a little bit better. Right? It's not just like that self-serving thing. I, I really think it's because if this is who Jesus is, if that is who God is and we're made in his image, it's incredibly fulfilling when you act like Jesus. 
and when you do it with him. That I'm not going out here trying to be a good person and come back to Jesus and say, do you see what I did? I mean, was that pretty good? Was that enough? Right? It's like I'm saying, Jesus, let's do this together today. Help me have a good attitude. Help me be a helper. Give me the energy. Give me the strength to get to serve others that way. And as we worked and as we stood, as we shared stories, as, as we talked to her and just there's smiles that, that you wouldn't believe even as we're going through hardship together because that's what it looks like to put the interests of others in front of your own. So I want you to see this poem for one last time today because this is the picture of service and sacrifice that comes from Jesus himself. And no amount of me just trying to convince myself I should be that or I should do that or I have to do that, that's just not what motivates us. As Chad encouraged us at the beginning of this series, it's when I look at him and I realize what he did for me. When you just take time to sit with Jesus, to just sit down with God and realize how much he loves you. That if you walk outside today and look back at this building, I know it's cold, so even just for like 10 seconds, directly above this room, there is a cross. An instrument of death and torture. And we put it at the top of our building because we celebrate that the God of the universe looked at the cross looked at you, said, oh yeah, it's worth it. And he came in the form of a bondservant to be obedient to the point of death for you. So because that's who he is, here's a question I want us to ask ourselves. Who do you want to seek? And how does he want you to serve? And I realize as I say that out loud that the second half of the question assumes you're going to say Jesus to the first part. <laughs> like it'd be hard to answer the first part. I want to seek Drew. Okay, clearly I'm not supposed to say that. But really think about that. To seek Christ and then to ask him, hey, where can I serve you, Jesus? What would be next in my life? What are you putting in front of me? Where's there a Timothy that I can encourage? And so I want you to know that there are always all kinds of things going on at Horizon, around Horizon, through Horizon where you can get plugged in to serve. Because I forget sometimes that like, because I'm on staff, because I'm here all week long, because I'm seeing these things, it's not always easy to know, hey, how can I get started? How can I just plug in if I wanted to serve somewhere? Um, so I wanna tell you just a few of them. Because if you go on our app, there's actually a button that says serving that has a number of these listed and we'll just let you kind of make a contact with somebody who can talk you through it. But one of them is like, when you come in this building, instead of coming down this hallway, if you go down the opposite hallway, that is East Station. Now, you have to come during the week if you want a tour. Otherwise, you have to have a kid get a sticker <laughs> to go down that hallway. But man, there are so many people down there serving those kids, not just to make sure they know their love, but to teach them God's word and that God loves them. And maybe that's even a way that you serve within your own home with your kids or your grandkids. You say, I'm seeking the things of Christ for my family. And I tell you, they, they definitely have some of the best decorations down that East Station hallway. So even if you're not allowed down there, just kind of peek through the door. <laughs> You know, uh, City Gospel is another way that we serve around here. In fact, there's a crew going tonight. There's a crew going next Monday. Monday evenings, honestly, is one of the places we need even more help. But it's not just serving a meal. So, like, if you've never tried it before and you just want to help serve the meal, that's awesome. Because if we go to City Gospel and leave without serving a meal, we have failed. <laughs> but when we go down there, we serve a meal and we share a devotion. There's opportunities to just talk to people. You know, pray with people if you're feeling courageous. And there are people who have come and lived at City Gospel Mission who have become Christ followers because of devotions and meals that have been shared by volunteers from Horizon. 
There are people even just in this building this week that were meeting about a trip to Belize, looking at places to serve with their skills and their gifts and their abilities in other places around the globe. You know, group leaders, leading group studies, or maybe even just in your own life, looking for that Timothy to encourage, that Paul to walk with. And so if any of those kind of is like, man, I feel like that's what the Spirit's been saying to me. I'd love to talk to you. You know, jump on the app, make that contact, stop by the hearth room, which is the third door on the left. We would love to help you get connected to serving. It's also just one of the best ways to get to know other people. But even as I say that and as I look around this room, you know a ton of you are already doing this. You are seeking the things of Christ and you are serving him this way. And some of it in ways that we'll never see We'll get to heaven, and Jesus is going to celebrate it and give you reward for that. And so I actually just want to use the words of Paul himself for you, because this is how he said we should treat Epaphroditus, and I think it's for you too. So I want you to hear from me and from our team here at Horizon. We receive you in the Lord with all gladness, and we hold you in high esteem. Thank you for seeking and serving Christ. So in this passage today, Paul has introduced us to two of his friends who are seeking Christ and helping others figure out how to do that too. And so the last thing I actually want to do this morning is I'm going to invite Chad up on the stage because we would like to introduce you to a new friend of ours, part of the Horizon team that we're excited about, who's going to be seeking and serving Christ and helping others do the same. Yeah, in fact, many of you know that we have been looking for a chief operating officer for a couple years now. We hired a professional firm to help us in that process, and we have uh, completed that journey and found someone that is perfect for this role. So I'll give you a chance to welcome him in just a second. His name is Chris and his wife, Amy Watson. They have six kids that are going to be coming to us to fill the children's ministry from age infant all the way through 11 years old. Uh, They are from Columbus. They went to the Ohio State. They are Bengals fans and Reds fans returning here to the Midwest. They live here in Milford. Uh, He's been in the banking industry for many, many years. And then he served as an executive pastor in Savannah at his church, and he has decided to come and join us. So can we have a warm welcome to Chris and Amy? Chris, come on down. Welcome, man. It's great to have you with us. Thank you very much, Chad. It's good to be with you. Just thank you to all of the Horizon team, uh, those that we've already met, those that we're looking forward to meeting. We've had a a great time, just felt loved and encouraged from the get-go. So thank you for welcoming our family with open arms, and uh, we're happy to be here. Yeah, and there's a picture of the whole family. So there's uh, the six kids, and I got a chance to build some, uh, some tables and chairs with one of them uh, a couple weeks ago, and they're helping them out. But we're also going to invite two of our elders to come up, uh, Jeff and Brendan. So we serve uh, as elders of the church. A lot of things that go on behind the scenes are because of the prayer, the volunteering, and the discernment of guys like this. And so the church talks about when you put a leader in place, um, one of the things to do is the elders come and pray and lay hands as a symbol of God's presence. So we're going to do that together as a church. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for Chris. We thank you for uh, his spirit of humility, his spirit of service. We know that you're going to use him as a, as a Paul to all the Timothy of our staff, to encourage them, to affirm them, to direct them, and to teach them even more than the, the incredible job they're doing now, how we can uh, serve this congregation, serve our community, and lift you up that you would draw others unto yourself. We ask that you would bless Uh, Chris and his family, we ask that you would be with uh, the work he does, both at home and in this place, and that would honor you. We just thank you for uh, his obedience to come to join us in the work you're doing. 
In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Can we thank Chris one more time for being with us on the team? Thank you, guys. Well, one final announcement before I let you go is if you love to worship, we are going to have a whole hour of worship tonight for our worship service. So we do these periodically. So tonight from 7 o'clock till 8 o'clock, guided prayer, music, worship, robust time of worship. There's none of this like long-winded preaching that sometimes happens. It's going to be actually an extended time of worship and prayer. So we invite you to be part of that from 7 to 8 tonight. Otherwise, we would love to put a name with the face. Uh, feel free to go over and meet Chris. We'd love to meet you third on the left of the hearth room, and we'll see you all next week. Thanks so much.